Um, what an intro. <laughs> I am a man. That's good. <laughs> I am a man now, yes. Um, so, it's good to be here. Where's the middle? About here, isn't it? That's good. Um, I'm going to talk to you this morning about... Mas- well, ma- the title is The Masterpiece and the Master Plan. Great title, let me say. Um, but I've got so much to say about the masterpiece that I'm going to make it a two-parter. So today we're going to look at the masterpiece, and then in a few weeks' time, next time I'm back up, we're going to look at the master plan, okay? So today's all about the masterpiece. Now, in 2015, <clears throat> April 2015, Kim and I did our, uh, I think it was our second holiday as a married couple. We didn't have loads of money. And I wanted to take her away for a nice weekend in Paris. Very romantic indeed. <laughs> Major brownie points. And um, we, we hopped on the Eurostar, I think, I think, or the I can't remember. Hopped on the Eurostar and we went to Paris. And uh, Kim really loves art. And I thought, I know what we can do. We'll go to the Louvre. Has anybody been to the Louvre? Do you say it Louvre like that? I think you have to. The Louvre, which is the museum in Paris art gallery, isn't it really? And it's that big glass pyramid poking out the ground. And does anybody know the famous piece of art inside the Louvre? Yes, I see that hand. The Mona Lisa. We have a picture of the Mona Lisa. Look at that. The Mona Lisa. And um, I knew about the Mona Lisa. Kim told me about it. And um, I thought, well, yes, if we're going to go in the... The Louvre is massive, right? So, like, we'll go in the Louvre, we'll find the Mona Lisa, and maybe we'll leave again, because it's so big. And um, in we went, and I was gearing myself up to see this amazing piece of art, which I'd heard so much about. And has anybody seen the Mona Lisa in real life? Yeah, okay, a couple of people. Tell me if this was your experience. What's the next slide, please? Have you seen that? Have you seen that? You came all that way to see the Mona Lisa. Look at the cues. That's what it was like. The Mona Lisa is only about that big. I was expecting it to be huge because it's this big, well-known piece of art. It's about tiny. It's on a little wall with all these people with their phones out trying to catch the Mona Lisa. So I got a picture of the Mona Lisa with about 50 smartphones in it as well. But we went to see the Mona Lisa because it was this very famous piece of art which you might describe as a masterpiece. And um, I was looking at what the word masterpiece means. This is what Google tells me, the big authority Google. A masterpiece is a work of outstanding artistry, skill or workmanship. Okay? A work of outstanding artistry, skill or workmanship. And uh, a masterpiece is something that when you see it, you kind of go, wow. You know, like, you see, and you're like, wow. I went wow with the crowds before the Mona Lisa herself. Um, Something that might amaze you or or something where you look at it and you can appreciate the work that's got into it or the person that made it. And you see the Mona Lisa, and you're like, wow, Da Vinci's done a great job painting this lady. She wasn't even called Mona or Lisa, I don't think. I can't, I'm not quite sure. Anyway, so anyway, let me tell you about the Mona Lisa. It's been described as the best known, the most visited, the most written about, the most sung about, and the most parodied work of art in the whole world. That's quite impressive. 
Um, it was believed to take somewhere between three and 14 years to paint for a painting that big. It's been on permanent display since 1797. Long time. Nat King Cole wrote a song called Mona Lisa, one of the most successful songs of the 50s. And the Mona Lisa is one of the most valuable paintings in the world. It holds the Guinness World Record for the highest known painting insurance valuation in history. It was in 1962 valued at $100 million, which has an equivalent value in 2023 of $1 billion. The most valuable painting in the whole world. And that was the experience with all those people. So then I was thinking, well, there's other types of masterpieces. There's other works of art that exist in the world. And we've got some examples. So the next slide is some examples of um, artistic masterpieces. Some of these you might recognise. We've got, obviously, the Mona Lisa's there. Um, the Last Supper, famous painting by, again, da Vinci. Um, David, just David. <laughs> uh, Michelangelo. Um, the, there's a, a, an art piece called The Kiss on the left there. That's Kim's favourite piece of art which we've never seen, but um, maybe one day. Um, there's architectural masterpieces. On the next slide, we've got some images of various um, buildings and things that man has made, which would be classed as masterpieces. Things like the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. Has anybody seen that building? What a building. It's, it's crazy, but it's great. Still in construction, 140 years in, they're still building it. Um, the Colosseum in Rome, no longer in construction, obviously. Um, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Anybody seen that one? The tallest building in the world at 830 metres. It's very tall. You stand at the bottom, literally like that, trying to see the top. The Taj Mahal, Christ the Redeemer, Rio de Janeiro. The Great Wall of China, which is, fun fact, 13,000 miles long. Doesn't that blow your mind? All of these things which people would consider a masterpiece of architecture. Um, some films, cinematic masterpieces on the next slide. Things like The Godfather, Saving Private Ryan, Titanic, Schindler's List, Shawshank Redemption. All of these films where critics would say it was a masterpiece of cinema. There's some books, some written masterpieces, literature, things like 1984, George Orwell, The Works of Shakespeare, Jane Eyre, War and Peace, Lord of the Flies. These books, which so many people have read and know, described as masterpieces. Um, we have some songs, which are masterpieces. I've got some little clips for us to listen to. Uh, the first one is very famous from 1741. It's Handel's The Messiah. And if you've ever heard this, you'll recognise it instantly. Hopefully we've got this one to listen to. Yeah, you know that one. We heard it at the coronation recently. Thank you. Um, Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 5 in C minor. Yeah? No, 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 no. <laughs> Great. And interestingly, when I was Googling masterpieces, uh, this song came up as a masterpiece, Stand By Me by Ben E. King. Do you know this song? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Handel's The Messiah is two hours and 15 minutes long. It's much more than the hallelujah bits. That's just a small part. It's really long. 
And finally, some more masterpieces for you. Things of nature or creation. And uh, one of my bucket list things to do is to see all of the seven natural wonders of the world before I either die or Jesus comes back. And I trust it's the second. Um, the Northern Lights. Anybody seen those? Quite hard to see. Oh, Steve, Becky. <gasps> Legends. Um, the Grand Canyon. A very symmetrical looking volcano in Mexico called Paracutin Volcano. Um, Victoria Falls, which I'll tell you about in a second. Mount Everest the Great Barrier Reef, and the harbour of Rio de Janeiro. Interesting. But they are considered the seven wonders of the world, which could be described as masterpieces. Um, I went to see the Victoria Falls when I was about um, 16 or 17. We went with the youth to Zambia, and we go to a place called Livingston, and in Livingston is the Victoria Falls, and you might know the Victoria Falls borders with Zimbabwe. And the Victoria Falls is one of the wonders of the world, it's not the highest or the widest waterfall, but when you consider both the height and the width, it's classed as the biggest waterfall in the world. Has anybody seen it? Yeah, a few people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 250,000 gallons of water fall over the side every second. Can you imagine that? A quarter of a million gallons every second go over the side of that waterfall. We've got a picture of it there. And um, when I first saw the Victoria Falls, the only thing I could do was think about God, the creator, the person who created the Victoria Falls. It, I heard it before I saw it. And those that have been will know what I'm talking about. It's thunderous. It's so loud. And as you get closer, you start to get a bit wet because there's so much spray in the air. And then finally you see it. And it's the, the most vast waterfall you've ever seen. All this water's gushing over the side. And all of it is so impressive that you, you have to stand there and think, wow, isn't God amazing? The designer, the creator of this thing. Um, there's loads of masterpieces. There's, there's masterpieces I probably haven't mentioned that you might be able to think of. Um, but... When you see a masterpiece, you, you think of the person that made it. You think of the creator of said masterpiece. Um, and there's something, particularly with creation, there's something awesome about creation that's just like, wow, isn't God amazing? And we know that God is the, the creator. He created everything. And uh, we read in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 the story of creation. And uh, in Genesis chapter one, you might be familiar, it says, um, God made the heavens and the earth. That was day one. At the end of day one, it said, God said it was good. And then it goes to day two, light and dark, day three. And he, and he goes through all of these days. And at the end of the day, God said it was good. He's pretty pleased. <laughs> what he'd created was good. Um, but then on the sixth day, he created the pinnacle of creation. Anybody know what the pinnacle of creation is? Shout out somebody. Man, people, us. The pinnacle. So God goes through all these things. Victoria Falls in all its awesomeness. But then on the sixth day, it says God created man. And do you know what it says? He said it was very good. Not just good. Reading your Bibles. It says it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. It was very good. 
The only thing that was very good, God says, was mankind. That's the difference between us and all the other things that he created. The other difference is that everything else in creation, God spoke it into being. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke it into being. But when it came to mankind, not only did he speak us into being, but what did he do? He breathed in us. Nothing else in creation has the breath of God in them. We're the only things. If that doesn't tell you there's a difference between us and creation and like evolution, all those things, I don't know what it does. We're the only things that God created where he breathed his life into it. Everything else just spoken, which is awesome. <laughs> um, Genesis uh, 2.7 is that reference there. He breathed life into them. Um, Genesis 1.26-27, you'll know these verses. Then God said, let us... Trinity God, Father, Son, Spirit. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. God created us to be just like him in his image, in his likeness. He breathed life into us and he declared that we are very good. Now, if you would turn with me to Ephesians 2, because we're in Ephesians, let's look at what this has to do with masterpieces. And when you're there, say, Victoria Falls. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. If you haven't got a Bible, it is on the screen. But I would encourage you to bring a Bible, generally. Um, are we there? Yes. Ethan's there. What are we saying, Ethan? Victoria, Victoria Falls, thank you. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Yeah. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. Praise the Lord. So none of us can boast about it. And then verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. I say it again. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And the Amplified Version says we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, which means reborn from above Spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works. So not only are we very good, not only do we have the breath of God in us, but he declares that we are his masterpiece, a work of art, a work of, the definition, a work of outstanding artistry, skill or workmanship. So turn to your neighbour and say, you are a masterpiece. Nice. And then see, then, then on the other side, if you've got someone on the other side, tell them as well. You are a masterpiece. Mandy, you're a masterpiece. Jim, you're a masterpiece. Lucinda, you're a masterpiece. Do, do we believe that about ourselves? The word says we're its masterpiece. The pinnacle of creation. But my question for today is, do we believe that? Um, because... Sometimes the way that God talks about us, the way he describes us, the way that what he says about us, sometimes it is quite hard to believe. Um, Because there's lots of lies that are contrary to what God says, which are very easy to hear and very easy easy to believe. Um, God calls us his masterpiece, but sometimes we can struggle to believe it because of what we've been told And, you know, sometimes we listen to society, colleagues, 
friends sometimes, friends, sometimes parents, spouses, and sometimes our own thoughts, and they tell us things which are just not true, not what God says. Um, Things like, now see if any of these ring a bell, you're not good enough. Uh, What you have to say doesn't matter. It's not important. You're not important. You're not pretty enough. You're not tall enough. You're not slim enough. You're stupid. It's your fault. You're not important. Don't be silly. Ever heard that phrase? Don't be silly. Don't be ridiculous. Your ideas aren't good. You're not as good as so-and-so. You really messed up so you can't be trusted. You're the only one who has those thoughts. Why would anybody care about you compared to all these other people? Those are all some of the lies which are just around. They're around in society. We hear them a lot. And some of those things are really easy to hear and easy to believe. Because there's an enemy at work who wants to sow seeds of doubt and lies into our lives so that we start to question who God has made us to be. Um, He knows full well who we are. We were created to be the very thing that he desired above all, to be like God. That That was his issue. He wanted to be like God and God created him to not be like God. And then along comes mankind, Genesis 1, 26, created in his image and his likeness, just like God. And the enemy comes along. He's like, hang on a minute. That's what I want to be. And so he starts to attack mankind and starts to question the things that God said. That's what he does. He lies. He's called the father of lies. And he says things which are not true about us. Um, So his tactics are very obvious. Did God really say... We read that phrase in, in the creation story. He says that to Adam and Eve. Did God really say, don't do this? And then he finds Jesus in the desert. Did God really say that? That's what he says. Did God really say? Did God really call you a masterpiece? Or are all these other things true? Eventually, the more we listen to those lies, the more we take them in, the more we start to believe it. And so when it comes to reading something in the word where God says who we are, Um, we struggle to believe it because we have years, sometimes decades worth of time um, of where we've listened to lies and we've just accumulated all of this baggage and stuff that we believe about ourselves that just isn't true and we struggle to let go of it. Is everybody okay? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Therefore, sometimes we wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, And we look at ourselves and we start to... Sorry, Lucinda, you're looking right in the mirror there. (laughs) I don't know where to put it that doesn't single anybody out. I'm going to move this out of the way so I can do something with it. Got some pens here. We look in the mirror and we see ourselves through the lens of these lies. So things like... You're weak. Things like, you're ugly. (laughs) Things like, you're a disappointment. Can I start? Of course. Disappointment. Things like, failure. And then you start thinking, oh, all these things I did fail at, actually. That thing I was supposed to have failed, blah, blah, blah. 
failure. Things like stupid. (coughs) Things like unimportant. And things like I'm a nobody. And what happens is we, we get up, we get ourselves dressed for the day, we look in the mirror, and we're looking at it, and all of these things. Oh, yeah, I'm a bit stupid, actually. Oh, I did fail at that thing. I'm a bit weak. I'm a disappointment. I'm a nobody. And that's what it's like. And the trouble is we start to believe these things about ourselves. And when we believe things about these things about ourselves... We also start to think, well, if I'm like that, maybe other people are like that too. And then we start to look at other people also through that lens. We start to find faults in people. So I say, ah, actually, they really messed that up. They failed. Or "Mm, they're not as strong as I thought they were. They're quite weak. They're not important. You know, compare them to that person. And it starts because we, we don't look at ourselves in the right way. And that translates to not looking at other people in the right way as well. We put onto others the things we believe about ourselves because sometimes we don't know any different. And slowly but surely, the church, God's people, his masterpieces, the ones who are creating his image and likeness, the pinnacle of creation, his pride and joy, they look at themselves and they see faults, damage, weakness, and ugliness. How God's heart must break when that happens. You know, I see myself in the wrong light, I'm seeing others in the wrong light. You might resonate with some of this, you might be sat there thinking, do you know what, I have had those thoughts about myself sometimes. We probably all have at times in our lives. You might really struggle to see your own worth and your own value. You might struggle to look at yourself in the mirror and be pleased and proud of the person that's Looking back at you. You might have grown up in a house where your parents haven't spoken life into you. <coughs> Let that sit. Because I think this is, this is for some people this morning. You might have grown up in an environment or a house where your parents haven't spoken life into you. Particularly your dad. You know when we grow up, Our dad is often our view of what God the Father is like until we're of an age where we start to understand who God the Father is. Very often when we're growing up, the only thing you can relate God the Father to is your own father because that's your experience of a father. And if you've grown up in a place where your father has done things to let you down or spoken badly about you or or this thing and this thing and this thing, that's how you grow up and that's how you see God the Father. Thank goodness God is not, he's not an earthly father. (laughs) Thankfully, you know, we're all flawed. God isn't. He's a different kind of father. But you might have grown up in a house where that's been your experience of your dad or of your parents. Proverbs 18.21 says, we know this, that our words have the power of life and death. We need to make sure that we're speaking life and truth to ourselves into those around us, especially to our children. Do you know, I, I met somebody recently and um, it, was a, it was this girl and she had sleeves up here and her arms were covered in scars. 
covered in scars. And um, I was chatting to her and she said that she'd been through this very intensive Christian rehab program for like nine months to break free from the thoughts that she had about herself and the addiction to hurting herself. And she said the thing that she realised was some of the stuff that her parents said to her when she was young just stuck in her head and she couldn't break free from that. And it wasn't anything particularly bad. It was just things like, oh, we don't need to listen to you right now. Or just go and play somewhere else. We're too, we're not, we're too tired. We're, you know, or like, um, think things like, she said this, don't be silly. That phrase, don't be silly. How often does that roll out our tongues? But she took that into her life and it affected how she thought about herself. And she had such a low opinion of herself that she thought, I need to harm myself because I'm not sure what else to do. And she really struggled. Praise God she's free from that and she's got a fantastic testimony. But the way that we speak about our children, our spouses, our friends, our family, it's so important. The Lord wants to transform the way we see ourselves. Amen. Amen. (laughs) He wants us to know who we are and he wants us to see ourselves the way that he sees us. He wants us to see each other the way that he sees them. He wants to deal with some lies that we've believed and instead wants to fill us with the truth of who we are. Um, So we know that we're created in the image and the likeness of God. That in and of itself is amazing. Julian Bowden is just like God. He is. He is. Isn't that amazing? Carl is just like God and so is Ethan and so is Esther and so is Tilly. Just like God. There's some other things that the word says about who we are and why we're his masterpieces. Things are going to get happy now. <laughs> I'm aware that was quite a, quite a sombre first half. Whatever. Anyway, let me read some stuff to you. And if you want, make a note of these references. Psalm 139 verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Psalm 139, the next two verses, 14 and 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Talks about how God made us. He made us in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. What a picture. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Get that. Everything about my life was already written way before even like the earth was created in the, in the depths of whatever. <laughs> God formed me there. Even though I was born in 1990, he formed me way before that. And he has a plan for my life. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. If you're in the room and you've done something wrong, all of us, this verse is really reassuring. Before he made the world, he loved us and he chose us to be holy and without fault. 
That's hard for people to hear sometimes. But he created you to be without fault. The message version of that says, um, long before he laid the foundations of the earth, he had us in mind and had settled on us as the focus of his love. To be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning that. Zechariah 2, 8. Um, After a period of glory, the Lord of heaven's army sent me against the nations who plundered you. For he said, anyone who harms you harms my most precious possession. His most precious possession. And the amplified version says, um, anyone who touches you touches the apple of his eye. That's lovely, isn't it? The apple of his eye. Song of Songs, 4 verse 7. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Beautiful in every way. The message version of that says, you're beautiful from head to toe. Even those of us who don't have the nicest of toes. Beautiful from head to toe, my dear love. Beautiful beyond compare. Absolutely flawless. How often do we say that about ourselves? How often do we look in the mirror and say, I am absolutely flawless? (laughs) But you can. You have permission to say that because that's what the word says. Isaiah 62, verses 2 and 3. Verse 3 says, The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of God. The crown is the thing that you put on the top to say, ta-da! Think about the king last week. He's a king the moment the crown goes on and then he's blessed by God. Psalm 34, um, verses 4 and 5. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. And then the New Living Version says, no shadow of shame will darken their faces. God wants us all to have very bright faces. Because no shadow of shame can darken your face. Ephesians 4, 23 to 25. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. God wants to to change our perspective. Now, you might be sat here and thinking, I think I'm all right. (laughs) You know, I don't often look at myself and think, you're weak, you're stupid, blah, blah, blah. And that's awesome. But there might be others here who... When I say, what do you see when you look in the mirror? You might really struggle with that. Quite often people look in the mirror and they just don't like what they see. But Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. We are the greatest thing he's ever created. Say that again. Esther Shekel, you're the greatest thing he's ever created. Greater than Victoria Falls. Greater than Hallelujah. <laughs> Greater than 1984 by George Orwell. He, the greatest thing he's ever created. Ever. You're the greatest thing he's ever created. Grace, Andy, Jenny. Did you know that? You are the greatest thing he's ever created. Ever. You're a masterpiece. Nothing wrong. 
Nothing wrong with you. The master designer, the greatest creator, the God of the universe, who's so mighty and powerful that just the words leaving his mouth caused the whole world to come into being. That same God created you and created me and declared it was very good. You're very good, Woody. Very good. We all are. We all are. Yeah. So we need to learn to see ourselves as masterpieces and to see one another as masterpieces. When I see myself as a masterpiece, I'm able to approach each day confident that I am 100% who I'm supposed to be. I have everything I need and God wants to use me just the way I am. When I see myself as a masterpiece, self-doubt starts to disappear. And instead, I'm confident that there's nothing missing, nothing wrong, nothing ugly about me. I am a masterpiece just the way I am. There's nothing that needs to change. Nothing that needs to change for you, Jules. You're a masterpiece just the way you are. You don't need to wish that you were someone else. You're a masterpiece just the way you are. And so when I see you as a masterpiece, it changes the way that I speak to you, changes the way that I think about you, changes the way I relate to you. It means I start to speak words of life to you and over you and about you. I don't look at you and see flaws. I I look at you and I see a masterpiece. There's nothing more to add. I see you as unique and beautiful and full of purpose and integral to his church. You're valued and you're strong and you're important yes. because you're a masterpiece. Right. I can look at Esther and be like, wow, oh, Esther, like nothing needs to change about you because you're a masterpiece right. and you're needed yes. and your gifts are valuable and integral to the church. Yes. The church with a big C, not just the local church. Mm-hmm. Let me be clear, I'm not talking about filling a seat, but the church is us, the people where God. God's presence resides. He lives among us. And we're his masterpieces. How dare I, and how dare you, if I can say this, how dare you, how dare I see you as anything other than what God says you are? Because he created you in his image. So if I say there's something wrong with you, what am I saying about God? You're, you're in his likeness. You're in his image. You're just like him. And if, there's, if I say there's something wrong with you, what am I saying about God? You know, yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we mess things up sometimes. But how I see you is really important. How I speak about you is really important because I'm speaking about the reflection of God, his people. God wants us to look in the mirror a bit differently. Now, I'm going to find something to rub these words out now. Maybe just my hand. Oh, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> oh, don't make it go. Have we got like a tissue somewhere? Oh, here we go. Man- of cup Mandy. Mandy has everything in her bag. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I'm doing this because this is what some of us need to do. We're not weak anymore. We're not ugly. We're not a disappointment. We're not a failure. We're not stupid. We're not important. We're not a nobody. Okay? 
Kim will be making me clean that later. <laughs> that's not what we see. And that's not what I want you to see. Next time you look in the mirror, which might be this morning, I don't want you to see those things because that's not true. They're lies from the enemy about who you are. It's not true. What we see is... Master... Written too big. Master Peace. Have a good look. Yep. Now, sometimes, when the mirror comes round, you might be... Don't want to look. I saw that, Jules. Me? Have a look. It's important. Sometimes we're very used to looking and, oh, I don't want to see myself. Have a, look, have a good look. He's created you to be a masterpiece. Masterpiece. Look at his lovely face. <laughs> but that's how God's created you to be. A masterpiece. This morning you might feel like you struggle to see a masterpiece when you look in the mirror. As I said, you, you might have related a lot to some of those lies, some of the wrong things that we can think about ourselves. Um, you might not see yourself... Sorry, Sam. <laughs> you might not see yourself as beautiful. You might not see yourself as worthy. You might not see yourself as strong. Um, if that's the case, then... I really believe this morning there's an opportunity to come before God and just to ask him to rub out, remove some of those lies that are just in our brain, that are in our thinking, that are in our, in our vision, um, and to reveal this truth to us again. Um, I'm going to leave that mirror up, and I want to encourage everybody at some point for today, before we go, have a look at yourself and... See yourself the way God sees you in the mirror. And that might be a bit uncomfortable for some of us. It might be the first time you've looked in the mirror and thought, oh, I'm looking all right. <laughs> but I trust that this is, a, this is like a, a visual or, or a practical demonstration, something we can do that helps us to start to understand and accept what God says about us. When, as I said, when we see ourselves as masterpieces, I, I start to see Ethan as a masterpiece. Yes, yeah. And therefore, I'm, I'm not thinking, well, these things are wrong with Ethan. There's nothing wrong with Ethan, because he's a masterpiece. <laughs> nothing wrong with Jenny. She's a masterpiece. Imagine if that's how we saw each other yeah. and saw ourselves. Yes. A room full <coughs> of God's masterpieces. The apple of his eye. Isn't that wonderful? Um, so, yeah, just one thing before we... Uh, do you want to come up and play something for us, Ethan? We may have like a song that we can use to respond to and just that will help us articulate some of this stuff. Um, but this morning, um, uh, God gave me a word of knowledge. Does anybody know? Everyone... I'll explain it. Word of knowledge is where God tells you something about somebody, maybe about their situation, that you wouldn't know otherwise. And he often um, speaks to you about that thing. And this morning, um, 
I suddenly felt like my neck was sunburned. I don't think I've been in the sun because there's not been a lot of it. <laughs> um, but if you're in the room and you have recently had a very sunburnt neck, I believe that the Lord specifically has some stuff to break off you today. And it's specifically in relation to what you've heard from your parents and therefore you've carried into your adult life these lies that are not true about you. Words that have been spoken to you or over you when you were younger. And, um, and as I'm saying this, the Holy Spirit will highlight those things. Um, but the Lord wants to, wants to help you break free of those things this morning. Um, but it's specifically some, someone who's just had a sunburnt neck. And I know that I don't, but it, my neck felt like like it was sunburnt, tingly hot. Um, so if that's you, I'm going to leave that for you and um, trust that God will do what he needs to do. Um, but yes, just what, maybe we can stand together and um, Ethan will lead us in a song. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you want, if this helps, you can maybe shut your eyes and block out distractions and just say to the Lord, say to the Holy Spirit, God, would you, would you show me anything that I currently think about myself which isn't true? Any current opinions I have of myself that are not from you? And God, would you take them away? It's as simple as that. That's all it needs to be. God, would you take them away? So that the next time I look in the mirror, all I see is masterpiece. All I see is the most wonderful work of art where there's lines of people queuing up to see, wow, look at this person. They're a masterpiece. So, over to you, Ethan.